of Scripture are wonderful Advent passages that speak of the joy and the transformation that comes to the world through Christmas. And as we uh, await the coming of Christ, may these speak to us. We'll begin with the book of Isaiah. We'll start in chapter 9. We'll read a few verses there together, uh, verses 6 through 7, and then we'll move over together to some words of Mary in the Gospel of Luke. Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah prophesies, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And now as Mary offers a song in expectation of Christ's birth, we'll be reading in chapter 1 starting in verse 46, a couple of selected verses. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. We've been trying to hold it back since July. I I had to almost lock the shed. Otherwise, the Christmas tree would have been out right after the 4th of July. And so I was successful. But the payoff is that not only do we have one Christmas tree in our main living room, the only room that doesn't have a Christmas tree is my little study and one bathroom. That's the trade-off that I had to make. But it's time. It's finally allowed. The turkey's gone or about to be. Mine is in a soup. And you can finally let it go. You can play Bing Crosby without having to use your, your AirPods. You just let it ring out. You can dress. I, I wore my Frosty the Snowman socks today. I'm just breaking it out. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been wearing them the whole time. I wore them over the summer. Y'all just didn't notice. I don't care. I'll just grab a pair of socks. It doesn't matter to me. As long as they're not plain, I'll wear them. But it's fine. You can go on, go on uh, online now or call, talk to your friends, and you can already see all the wonderful Merry Christmas messages from all the joyful people, all the pictures and well wishes. But you know, you'll probably see a few other famous Christmas greetings from some of your, I don't know, maybe less jolly friends. If you were to roll up on the internet, let me show you a couple of these. Show me one if you would up there, Thomas. Maybe you'd see this one. Good old grumpy cat. Bah humbug. Oh, here's another one that I've run across uh, in the past couple of years. Christmas photos. Bah humbug. Raise your hand if you love a Christmas photo. You can go look at my Thanksgiving photo that we took uh, with all of our family over Thanksgiving and notice that I'm conveniently hidden behind somebody who looks a lot better than I do. Bah humbug. And this one is my absolute favorite of all time. Take it away, Thomas. Humbug. Bah, you will. 
Bah humbug. You ever get a bah humbug around Christmas time? Some of you probably give a bah humbug around Christmas time. Merry Christmas, bah humbug. Don't elbow anybody. They don't need to be outed. It's their own confession. Oh, but I love the Christmas season. Any of you ever think back to when you were kids over Christmas time? Why is it that we do that? We just like the nostalgia. My brother and I used to be allowed to stay up extra late in in December, in the times of December. Uh, We'd go to bed at 7.30 before that. I know some of y'all laugh, but it was just how it went. We got to stay up till 9 around Christmas time. We'd sit under the light of the Christmas tree with a Christmas cookie and hot chocolate, and we'd watch Christmas movies like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. My kids don't know what those shows are anymore. Now we have to watch Elf and Die Hard. Um, They don't watch Die Hard, I'm joking, but it is a Christmas movie. I just wanted to get that out there. Um, But there are some days we got to stay up extra late. That was when we got the Christmas Carol came on TV. Uh, I'm talking one of the original ones from the 50s with the old black and white coloring. And I don't know, maybe we liked it so much because we got to stay up really late and watch it. It came on at 9, and that was... That was risky for us. That was rebellious for us Morrow children. But despite it being black and white and not typically my style of movie back then, there was something captivating about that show, about the movie. Something captivating about it. As a child, we watched that crotchety old Ebenezer Scrooge ba and humbug his way through life. And there was something about that. It's like I recognized him. Not like I'd seen the actor before. But I recognized it in the faces of so many people who were grown up in my community. People who were so burdened and obsessed with work and money and that carried their anger around on their faces. I could see that in Ebenezer Scrooge. And there's a beginning of that movie and in the book as well. These cute, poor English children have this glimmer of Christmas hope and they're outside and and Ebenezer Scrooge just refuses to help them at all. And he says instead that they should just go to the prisons and the workhouses if they can't find work for themselves. That kind of made me sad every single time. And it still does. That that kind of um, suffering would be in our world. And it still is in our world. And it really made me sad, especially as a child, to see someone with a complete lack of compassion for somebody else in their circumstance because we may not all have the same uh, poverty, but we all have a poverty of spirit and relationship in some way. And that was sad for me to see that. And it's not like it's, not like it's gone. But I remember being so captivated with that movie because there were a lot of Scrooges walking around town. Maybe not here, not in uh, the Shire of Glenville, but definitely out in Camden County where I grew up. But then we saw him change, old Ebenezer Scrooge, and by the end he wakes up on Christmas morning with love and joy in his heart. And even as a kid, there was something that I needed about that. There's something really hopeful about seeing somebody's life change like this. I loved Christmas cookies, and I loved Christmas break, and I really loved Christmas presents. But nothing's held a candle to seeing the hope that someone could change, even me. And without a background in faith in any way, uh, without a framework to understand it, that's how I saw it. And it was later in life that I realized that Christmas doesn't just do that because it comes on the 25th of December. Christmas does that because that's what Jesus does. Invites people to change. And there's a hope that people can because Christmas can make angry men smile again. 
Christmas can make a hard-hearted person tender. Christmas could bring hope to those poor children. And because of all of this, Christmas was a time that I always held on to the hope that things could get better, even before I knew what the reasoning was. Things can change. Now, during this Advent and Christmas season, we're going to celebrate this hope with a sermon series called Christmas with Scrooge. Some of you think I have Christmas with Scrooge every Christmas anyway. What difference does it make? But we're going to spend Christmas with Scrooge. And each week leading up to Christmas, we're going to let the story of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, illuminate the hope and joy of Christ's birth. And along the way, we're going to meet the characters of Scrooge's story. We're going to follow along his journey and we'll explore the redemptive power of Christmas through the scriptures as they come to life in our own life. Christmas with Scrooge. Bah humbug. Y'all remember this story, though, don't you? Old crotchety Mr. Scrooge. It's been told over and over and over again since it was written in 1843. You'll have to read how Charles Dickens wrote it one time. He literally needed money and wrote this book in record time, and now it's outselling uh, most other books around this time of year. It starts with that cantankerous old Scrooge all wrapped up and getting a dime and penny out of every little thing that he can, out of everyone and everything. I love the way that Charles Dickens describes Scrooge in the opening pages of his novel. Go ahead and put this up there so we can read it to get him. He says this. He says, oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. I got to breathe deep to get this all out. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. I thought I should put that up on the church website as my bio. Wouldn't that be great? Meet our pastor. I bet we all know a Scrooge, don't we? And if you can't think of one, watch out. It could be you. Oh, this old Scrooge. And then remember his nephew Fred comes over to invite him to Christmas dinner. He says, Merry Christmas, Uncle Scrooge. And he says, bah, humbug. What an interesting thing. We've been saying bah, humbug ever since. It's just been part of our vocabulary. But humbug, it's not just some Scroogey sound. It actually has a meaning. The word humbug means a fake, a pretense, a sham. And so when nephew Fred says Merry Christmas, Scrooge essentially says Christmas? What a fake. What a pretense. What a sham. Needless to say, I don't think old Uncle Scrooge is planning on showing up for Christmas dinner. (laughs) You remember the rest of the story, though. He goes home that night, and he is met by the ghost of his long-lost friend and business partner, Jacob Marley, who says, Look, Scrooge, you are on the fast track to eternal misery, but tonight you have a chance to make a change. And he's visited by three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And each one takes Scrooge on a journey through his life, through the effects that his life has on other people, and to the potential future that awaits him. And through all that, Scrooge's hard heart breaks open and he repents. He makes a commitment to a new life. He's delighted to wake up on Christmas morning and sets out to spread that joy to everyone. And it turns out that Christmas isn't such a humbug after all. Now, Scrooge's story points to the importance of Christmas in a number of different ways. We can see uh, in a few different ways the, the way that Christmas really helps to change the world and to change people's lives. And I just want to share a few of those with you from his story. The first thing I'll share with you 
is that Scrooge's redemption is not just for him. It lifts up other people too. The change that's in him is a change that he helps make in other people. You know as well as I do, if you know the story at all, that all Scrooge was about was the bottom line, and that was his bottom line, working all day, every day, making his workers work all day, every day, slaving over the finances, finding every way to to wring out an extra dime from somebody or somewhere, even from the poor. And you might remember that when Scrooge leaves his office, a couple of well-meaning guys come up and say, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And, And he says, no. Listen to what he says. He says, I don't make myself merry at Christmas. I'm not going to make, I can't afford to make an idle person merry either. Look, I pay taxes and I help support the workhouses and the prisons, and they cost enough. And those who are badly off should just go there. And the guys at the door are like, whoa, man, (laughs) that's a little rough. Many can't go there. Many won't. Listen to this. He said, if they would rather die than go there, then they better go ahead and do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh, Scrooge, that is a long cry from a compassionate response. And sadly, that idea is not just bound in the books of the 1800s. It's alive and well in the world and even in us today. Many in the world today who feel that same way, focusing on making something of themselves and and bringing things in for their own well-being, neglecting the needs that they see around them letting uh, this hoarding mentality choke out any sense of compassion. But Christmas points to a different kind of world. Not just a, a special day, not simply that Jesus can save our individual souls, but that Christmas changes the world. And you hear that in this song that Jesus' mother Mary sang as she awaited his birth. That what she sings about is not cute and cuddly. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this. She sings about a Christmas vision. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And then, get this, you might have missed this. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. That sounds great, right? And sent the rich away empty. This is a different world that Christ ushers in at Christmas. It's a vision of the kingdom, of upside-down, topsy-turvy stuff. And through that, we learn something very important in Scrooge's story and in our own. The greatest rewards in life don't come from us hoarding and accumulating more for ourselves and pushing people in the gutter who would get in the way. That's not the way that we uh, maybe hear it. In the, that's maybe the way we hear it in the culture around us, but that is not the way of Christmas. Instead, the greatest rewards in life They come from the grace of God and from us opening up our hands and lifting up other people. And it is in that that you find the greatest rewards. And Scrooge finds that too. His redemption changes him and draws him into this vision of Christmas. He wakes up the next morning, surprised he's alive, and he rushes out in his robe and just hands out coins to the poor, buys meat for the uh, Christmas feast, and just blesses everyone. His redemption changes the lives of other people. And the same could be true for us. Here's another thing. Scrooge's redemption brings him peace. And that peace is contagious. The prophet Isaiah tells us that Jesus will be called the Prince of Peace. Now, Scrooge didn't know it, but he needed peace. Isn't it funny how that happens in our lives? 
the way that we live and think and whatever, when there's something that hurts in our lives or something that's not quite right in our lives, we can numb it, we can medicate it, we can distract ourselves away from it, we can drink our way out of it, we can Netflix and chill our way through it, we can overwork our way through it and never address what's actually happening in our heart. But guess what? Just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean it's not still happening. And Scrooge had a war-torn heart. His heart was torn up by a difficult and loveless childhood. His heart was torn up from the consequences of the mistakes that he made, uh, even so much so that his overwork cost him the love of his life. His heart is torn over the death of his best friend. And you know, his war-torn heart eventually turned into a cold and hardened heart. Do you know what a hard-hearted person does to the people around them? A hard-hearted person makes life hard for other people. A hard-hearted person makes life hard for other people. And here's the interesting thing. Christmas brings Scrooge face-to-face with all of that pain. Isn't that weird? You just want Jesus, take the wheel, get it all away from me. I want some heavenly morphine, Jesus, to get away from my pain. But you know what Christmas does? Think about this. The world is broken and God comes to the world to become flesh. He enters into the dark and painful existence of the world to bring peace to it. And Scrooge has a Christmas experience. He faces the pain of his past. He faces the pain of his present. He faces the trajectory of pain of his future. And what happens is that when he does that, he finds peace within it. That's what Christmas is all about. Finding a place of peace while facing the pain of our lives. The same God that entered our world through Christmas is the same one that brings peace on earth and in our hearts too. And it brought peace to Scrooge's heart. And guess what? Immediately he begins to share that peace with other people. If a hard-hearted person makes life hard for those around them, a peaceful person brings peace to those around them. That business is contagious. And I just love that Jesus is very honest and truthful, that he would lead us into, that he would come into our pain and redeem it. That's a Christmas story. And then finally, the last thing I'll share with you today. If Scrooge can be redeemed, if an old crotchety, solitary as an oyster, covetous, nasty, bah humbug Scrooge can be redeemed, so can we. So can we. You see, Christmas isn't a humbug. Christmas isn't just a festive day for presents and getting off of school and work. Christmas is an invitation. It's an invitation to enter into relationship with this Jesus Christ who comes into our world. An invitation to know God through him. An invitation uh, to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit under the redemption of Jesus Christ to be in a new and fresh redeemed relationship with God the Father. God becomes flesh in Jesus Christ out of his love for us so that he can see with our eyes and hear with our ears the needs of the world around us and meet them. He becomes flesh so that he might outstretch his arms that through the blood uh, that he shed on the cross that we might have redemption. He becomes flesh that he might show us that with a human mouth that we could share the good news of Jesus Christ with those all over the place. And when we accept this Christmas invitation to come and meet this child, to give our lives to the Lord, There we find redemption. Redemption that we haven't earned or deserved, but is freely given from God. And as we do, as we come to know the Lord and redemption, then he calls us outward to respond to the world with love. Scrooge knocked on the door of a changed life. 
and he asked to be welcomed in, and with joy he was. And if Scrooge can be redeemed, then so can we. Christmas is no humbug. It's an invitation to redemption. You may not be grouchy or cold. You may not fancy yourself a Scrooge, but we all need redemption. We all need change, and we all need Christ. And maybe this Christmas is your season to make that change. Maybe this is your season to accept the invitation to live a life centered around Jesus Christ for your redemption. Maybe this Christmas is a chance for you to let God soften that cold, hard heart of yours. Maybe this Christmas is the opportunity for you to take that next step in Christ-likeness that you know you need to make. After all, if Scrooge can be redeemed, so can all of us. And will you accept that Christmas invitation? That is the question for you this season. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ who came into this broken and difficult and dark world to bring peace and redemption. Send forth your Holy Spirit on us now in these moments as we come to the table for Holy Communion that we might search our hearts. Asking you, God, to show us where, where are we hardened? Where are we hurting? Where are we selfish? Where do we need to change? And God, don't just show us, but give us the grace to empower us to change. And give us the joy of new life. Not the shame of the need, but the joy of the change. Minister to us, O Heavenly Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to meditate on that. Let the Spirit work in your heart as